0: I got pots, pots pans, I got pots, pots pans, yeah, that's the way that I like to play, banging on pots and pans, yeah, banging on pots and pans,
1: now another pot, a wooden spoon, what do you got, you got a rhythm to Welcome to the hot stove, hot stove Society stove stove Show on Cairo, Cairo Radio. We're excited to be here, chef in the chapeau, <audio> taking the day off. You know, you think he doesn't work anymore, he has one responsibility to know, come and do this show for two hours. <laughs> you think he could make it, but no. No. He's out taking care of his health, and we love him to death. So uh, I hope we Well, make him proud. Make him proud. Uh, thank you to those who have joined us in studio. If you can go to uh, com and buy a ticket, you're welcome to come here and enjoy some breakfast with us and do our show live. You can watch us on our YouTube channel. Go to Tom Douglas & Co. Uh, and Thursday mornings generally, I would say 95% of the time, are our taping time, Thursday 9 to 11. So you can watch in, and then... You know one of the things I de- never mentioned to our YouTubers is that Sean is watching the chat and we can get questions if you want through the chat on our He's YouTube channel. He's good at channel. answering them. Yeah, exactly. So Pamela uh, Hinkley our producer is going to step up to the mic today. You know last time you stepped in in one of our spots Pamela you were a um, you had to play Food for Thought Tasty Trivia. Oh, please don't. And if Let I remember right um you you kind of Went down the ante route of getting skunked. It was quite embarrassing. Yeah. Which is why That's I your stayed. own game.
0: <laughs> On so, the question side of the mic. <laughs> so
1: even though you are at the mic today, you refuse to play just because of that one time.
0: We're going to get a victim from the audience.
1: Uh, we're going to talk miso today. Uh, one of the sad days of my life was the day that my two-year-old miso batch ran out. Because oh. I used it for everything. I used it as a little umami in my vinaigrettes. I used it to cure black cod. I, I I just did it for everything. And it is a fun process, and it can sit on your counter forever, essentially. And Very so, uh, If you have never made me, so it's super fun. It can be used both in sweet and savory applications. Uh, manila clams. You know, this is something that maybe uh, I should have looked up before the show, but I'm not really sure where they actually farm the clams. We get all ours through Pencove Shellfish up at uh, on Whidbey Island. But I, don't, I think they come from all over. I'm not sure where the hot spot for those little tiny manila clams are from. very on, productive on the West Coast all in over. totality. Yeah, in totality. So we're going to talk about how to steam them and their stock and some butter and some wine and other things that make them truly delicious. Uh, a swoon-worthy egg salad. You sent me a picture from, um, I can't remember what magazine. New, New York Times. New York Times, what? of course. Yeah, of course. And, you know, there's one right here in our town that... Is just as de- my guess. We're looking at the picture, just as delicious. And but I bet you don't know uh, where that is. Fuji Bakery. Oh, oh! you've you, you, you ruined the surprise. <laughs> Modeled my, after Seven Eleven, though. My God! Ordinary to extraordinary. Today we're gonna jump into ketchup. You know, yesterday I did something very controversial. I made a video about what I would or would not put on my French fries, and I said those people that use ketchup on their French fries are just sad people
0: oh no this is going to lead to So we're going to talk about debate. that a little
1: bit if you have an opinion on that feel free feel well, free to jump on in tahini and on it, i'll debate you on this like that. well Festo. something with a little more effort maybe little effort and the bodacious bread scene that is seattle and our surrounding area i mean we have so many home bakers that are turning into pro bakers that are opening little brick and mortars or doing pop-ups at farmers markets there's lots of delicious bread out there and finally today we're going to play our rub with love food for thought tasty trivia brought to you by rub with love spices and sauces made by moi in ballard uh, and distributed all over the country in the world so we're excited about that brand and what it has done you know when when covid happened uh for us it closed everything right so we were like, what are we going to do? We figured it out. Within a week, we were back open or two weeks uh, back open at the warehouse and did outdoor dining. But the thing we didn't expect was that, or didn't understand, kind of grocery stores went crazy. They were busy. And so our rub product just went crazy. And within six months, we had doubled our sales from the prior year. So uh, it's, it's funny how life gives you lemonade and sometimes it's lemons. Uh, so here's, I have a taste of the week that didn't quite make my taste of the week. So I spent the last four days in North Carolina at a golf course uh, complex called Pinehurst. And I was oh, very yes. excited, right? Because the Masters is this week, started today. One of my favorite all-time tastes, and it's an emotional taste, but it's on um, really bad white bread, egg salad at the Masters. They sell them their a buck apiece. Uh, uh, not egg salad, pimento cheese. Uh, pimento, they yeah. sell egg salad too, but I had the pimento cheese. It was perfect, absolutely perfect
0: for the that place and time.
1: And that, that tournament, yeah, absolutely perfect. I'm at Pinehurst, which is a very famous golf course. U.S. Open's going to be there, uh, and I get the pimento cheese sandwich, seven dollars. And they did the, exactly what you're not supposed to do with that sandwich, which is try and gussy it up a bit.
0: Oh yeah, you know it is what it it
1: is, and you're not you're supposed to cherish what it is. And this one had three kinds of shredded cheddar in it. It was not enough mayonnaise, and it was just on fancier bread. And it's like, come on! Sometimes you just got to let trash be trash and enjoy it for what it is. So that's my taste of the week and my lesson of the week. Step back, enjoy. Get the little juice cup. You know, my my, we had juice glasses (laughs) in my house forever, which was the old pimento cheese from Kraft. And
0: uh we collected those as well.
1: Exactly. That's what a pimento cheese sandwich should be. Okay, that's my rant and my rave.
0: Good combo. I'm going with I was very taken by your subject last week of shoulder season dishes. Uh things that use up the last of our winter vegetables and then have a nod towards spring. So You remember what it was that I did? (laughs) No. I was gonna (laughs) I was gonna re-listen to the show, do you cauliflower with green garlic. Ah, excellent. Oh, that's in keeping with what mine is, which is caramelized fennel, deeply browned in the cast iron, and then steamed buttered carrots, and all tossed with exquisite olive oil and coarsely chopped sorrel with flakes of The sorrel's coming lemon. up early.
1: Yep. Garlic chives are coming up early. Those are kind of the beginning of spring. We just want to jump into spring so fast. And but it's it,
0: not here. It's not here yet. And it's cold. And I went to the Skagit yesterday. There's no tulips yet. Wait a little while if you're going to go up there. It's cold. It's the same price, though, right? The tulips yeah. and no they tulips. They charged us full price to get into the tulip fields with under 10% in bloom. <laughs>
1: but it was lovely. You had fun. You were with my wife, Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. Who, by the way, might be joining us later on the show. Oh, that would be fantastic. You know, she is a, uh, a silent ham. You know what I mean by that? She yes, won't, I do. She won't volunteer, but once you call her, she's like all over it. <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah. Okay, Miso, that's coming up next. Um, and we're going to try and convince you into doing some of your own Miso on your own kitchen counter. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, ninety-seven three FM. <laughs> See. And when old man all right let's jump into miso mayo right here on the hot stove society show on cairo we are dwelling at the beautiful hotel ondura here in at fourth of virginia in downtown seattle sometimes people can't find us if they're coming to the show i know they get confused if they want to like uh just peruse around a bit uh we're on the second floor that's why you can't find us and so, if you walk right into the hotel, which is uh, where Lola is, in between Lola and Asagio, the entrance to the hotel, just walk in like you own the joint. Go up the stairs. Come on
0: it in, right into and the And then kitchen. you'll see
1: us around the corner in the back. You'll see my little collection of recipe boxes, candy molds, both classic uh, European and oh. Asian.
0: Oh, I, I want to take the bunny ones to make something for this weekend.
1: No, you don't. <laughs> I'll bring it back. They're 100% lead. Oh, I
0: won't let the children eat the candy. That's what they used to
1: make all of the kids' candy out of, which is why we are the way we are today. Uh, Miso. Miso.
0: It is uh, popping up everywhere, and the reason I started paying attention was because more and more often they're suggesting it as an ingredient in sweet dishes. So, chocolate frosting, caramel sauce blondies as a version of brownies Uh, but first I feel like I need to master it in its savory application because I didn't grow up with miso Uh Um, but with you with Eric Tanaka, Annie I've had many chefs that use it as their secret umami ingredient so I'm trying to understand it and uh, there's a great array of varieties in the grocery store so knowing your light uh, golden ones from your deep red ones is really important. So uh, I'm at the beginning of my miso mm-hmm. journey, but I'm reminded that yours is much longer and you actually made miso. I would say
1: mine is maybe a little bit longer, but it's not, I'm not as aggressive about it as I should be uh, recently. And, and maybe we could look this up, Sean, if you have a, you have access to a computer. There's a local miso company here that's doing full, Soy pa, soybean miso, and they're not uh, grinding it or filtering it. Whoa. And so uh, I just opened up two uh, last week at my house. I was surprised at how organic they were. You would have looked at it and said, oh, my God, there's deer poop in my, <laughs> in my kitchen, you know, or something like that, because they were really... Really textural. Really textural. And, like, what I do is I just stick my finger right in and taste them, and they were too similar in nature, but they were... Literally dark brown. Uh, And I've seen in the grocery stores, you can find red miso, white miso, uh, unpasteurized miso. You can find all kinds of things. But um, they are very different, and they are used for different categories. So, like, when you get miso soup generally in any Japanese restaurant, it's just a simple white miso with dashi broth. So dashi broth is a seaweed broth. And they stir in a little white miso sometimes, a little bit of tofu or this this or that, some kelp. When you're making, say, a vinaigrette, I like to use this little stronger version. So I use the red miso. It just gives you a different kind of organic body to it. But you don't know that it's a miso. There's two things that it does. One, it gives you that kind of fermentation quality to your vinaigrette. The other, it acts like mustard. So it acts a little bit like a binder so that your oh, vinaigrette has helps uh, with the emulsification? Thickness. Yeah. Oh, that's a good trick. So that and a little Chinese hot mustard or something is a great base for a nice perky vinaigrette.
0: So in my uh, reading, the differentiation was the lighter, younger yellow misos were a higher percentage of the koji, the fermentation uh, reagent. With the soybeans and shorter fermentation, and the darker, stronger misos were more soy and less of the koji. Long
1: fermentation, long fermentation, soy sauce. Yeah, yeah. So salty.
0: If you're if you're just beginning, the recommendation would be to start with the lighter misos and build your flavors with small additions at a time. Would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I would say the best way to do it is there are only what two or three bucks a tub. They make little half pint tubs, and I buy them all. (laughs) I'm I'm not kidding. He loves to shop. Just explaining that he's a very good shopper. Say there's five available. That's ten dollar investment. They last years in your refrigerator. That is a blessing. Long life. Why not spend the ten dollars? I mean, think about it as a life lesson. And that's the same thing we talk about with canned tomatoes or with condensed milks or something. Buy the variety that are available to you. Then you'll know which one. That you want. And if you can't figure out what to do with them, you know, make biscuits or do something with the, if you have too much, but at least for the rest of your days, you'll be thinking about the one miso that you like the best. And it's well worth the investment. I think a $10 investment to know if you are a miso person, which one is better for you. My favorite thing with miso is that yes, that's part that's of a curing process. So you've been to fancy Japanese restaurants or down to uh, Wajamaya or Mutual Fish down on Rainier Avenue. And they have this beautiful uh, black cod presentation called Kasuzuke oh, Black Cod, right? And it's made from kasu paste, which is the sediment from brewing sake, right? So it's a ferment, fermented rice sediment. Before it's been clarified, um, it's kind of this dark orange rich deliciousness, right? And has a real fermentation quality to it. And then they, they can kind of clean it up and just give you kind of a white chalky kasu paste, I like the other version. The funkier one? The funkier version. So you just take that paste and you mix it with miso and brown sugar and a little mirin, which is sweet sake. Now you can put that paste on a pork chop. You can put it on chicken thighs. You can put it on salmon. Uh, my favorite is black cod. Uh, and it, I like the pork chop idea because yeah. I
0: think pork needs one more little lift. Often, Often (laughs) it needs that. Especially when I'm cooking it. There
1: are some porks out there that are, some pigs out there that are more (laughs) flavorful and more fatty. But, um, yeah, I I would agree. And it gives you sweetness, too. And that fermentation, um, yeasty quality, too. So uh, that's one of my favorite ways to use miso.
0: I started with um, the green beans from The Girl and the Goat, that wonderful Chicago restaurant. Uh She's got this— Stephanie— is, is it?
1: Is there? Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: you, it it comes if you look up green bean recipes on the web, it comes right up as magic green beans because it's miso in an aioli, mm-hmm. and it just coats the green beans in this magical way, and it's got that. I like how you're identifying uh, the fermentation characteristic mm-hmm. as that extra. Flavor green beans could use another dimension, uh-huh. I think. So you mix this with the green beans and top with some coarse nuts, and you got magic,
1: magic green beans. Well, it's funny how a dish like that kind of takes on its own personality. Especially, you know, you think about in Chinese restaurants, the dry fried string bean has become ubiquitous, right? The crushed cucumbers uh, with chili sauce, uh, ubiquitous in the, like at Din Tai Fung and places like that. So. Uh, miso kind of has that quality about it, whereas you're not really sure where it's coming from, but it's delicious, right? Yeah. So yeah. So in my miso, uh, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day of our culinary camps, I bought these big sauerkraut fermentation. Yeah, is there, yeah there's the, one of the big ones is right behind me here in the studio. Sean, will you put the camera on that for our YouTube watchers? Yeah, on this guy right there. That would be an awful lot of miso. It is. It's too much, but they make these in many sizes, and okay. they, have a, they have a weight. So I took my soybeans with the koji, which was on the rice, and so you, basically you're inoculating the soybeans, and then put whatever it is that uh, won't make it go bad, like some fresh. Like you don't want to put garlic in there or things like that, but you know maybe a little brown sugar, maybe a little mirin. Then I put a piece of uh, inside my paste into the base of the crock, I put a piece of parchment paper, and then I put the crock weights on the inside. Mm. And uh, I let it sit on my counter for, if I'm not mistaken, 18 months. Oh, boy. That's a commitment. I checked it every three or four months just to kind of see where it was at. And uh, it was so it would never go bad, essentially. As a matter of fact, they used it in early Japan as a protein source for the workers, <laughs> where miso is kind of became famous, as is often the case, right? Things like that. I just kept using it, using it, use it, and then, like I told you before the show, the saddest day was when it was all gone because hmm.
0: let 's start another batch for Andy I, here I always
1: intended to, but I never have i've got the soybeans and the Koji in my refrigerator in the garage. We're doing I, it next week. They've been there for two years, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure they're they're still fine. We're gonna jump right into uh, the supremely addictive egg salad sandwich on Kamera Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Keen bean corn
2: horn wasabi artichoke choker, Abba, colorado bean. gourd horn, sweet greed. I'm a geeky leek geek potato pop, Without a doubt. What's,
0: what's Eggie sandwich in the morning Eggie sandwich in the night Eggie sandwich the lunchtime Eggie sandwich at night Eggie, Eggie sandwich in the
1: morning Alright, here we night. go. We're back in the Hot Stove Society on Cairo, it's Tom Douglas and Pam Hinkley. Chef in the Chapeau is uh, taking a break today Checking in on his health. Pamela, you don't strike me as a 7-Eleven girl, but one of the most popular sandwiches in the world right now is the 7-Eleven in, Japan. I, in haven't, Japan. I have not, not seen it Not in the United here. States. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 7-Eleven egg salad sandwich. And the New York Times did a little article on What did you learn?
0: That the treatment of the eggs... Needs to be differentiated. We just put a picture up here in the studio. Uh, they, it calls for really hard boiled eggs and then semi hard mm-hmm. eggs because you make the chopped salad with one part of the eggs and then the, the harder one is decorative and fills the center of the sandwich to give this really dramatic effect. Okay. But it is now, um, Many chefs in the United States are trying to figure out how to do it. So the article that you can find most easily is from some chefs in Los Angeles. And they have uh, divulged some of the very secret ingredients, which are
1: Cupy mayo... It's not so secret. It's not
0: a secret. Cupy <laughs> mayo, no. creme fraiche, it's the most popular
1: mayonnaise in Japan.
0: <laughs> uh, scallions, Cupy mayo, creme fraiche, and rice wine vinegar, and of course, in Terry's honor, some Dijon mustard. And so, miso would be good in
1: there too. It would, but yeah. that would be. Well, I'm just saying, you make your own version. So I'm going to clarify just a little bit. So the harder the egg is boiled, you want, you'll struggle a little bit with coloration and things like that, right, yes. on the yolk. So you want a fully hard-boiled egg, but not killed, for your salad. And then you want a three-quarter cooked egg, which, where the yolk is set to a jelly, but not overset, as your decor on the center of the sandwich. Thank you. Because I think you said it the, I the said opposite. I said it the opposite. Yeah. And you corrected me. Because you don't want too soft soft a yolk for your salad because it just becomes pudding, right, if it's all liquid. So, yeah, you want to be able to, when you slice into your sandwich across it, uh, you want to be able to see the whole kind of egg with the softer gelled egg yolk, and then on the outside of that is all the caked egg salad. salad.
0: Yeah. It makes a gorgeous effect, and of course, the other touch that really takes it up a notch is to cut the crust off of your bread and make the three finger-sized segments, so you can pack it into your bento box. Then you've truly arrived with incredible egg salad. Right,
1: and I wonder if uh, this is one of the few things that people have taken from the Brits, food-wise, that because you think, of, well, yeah, you think of the the tea service. In the afternoons and how it's often done with egg salad sandwiches and blah, blah, blah. If you want to do this egg salad sandwich properly, you need the right bread.
0: They call for a milk bread, Mm -hmm. the soft white bread. But I I have a taste for heartier things. And I I use the olive oil brioche from Seawolf. Okay, that that makes Brioche makes Brioche sense. Brioche yeah. Would, yeah. yeah. You well, can't we,
1: use a rustic bread. For no. no. It,
0: w- it wouldn't give the same effect. Right. But I'd like to hear your version of an egg salad sandwich that was perfection. Because maybe the artisan bread and a more aggressive salad would be to more people's no. taste. No,
1: no, absolutely not. Not unless you're doing like a, um, what's the open face sandwich called? What would Terry call that? Tartine. Like if you're doing a little eggplant tartine. But part of the joy of having the milk bread or... Honest to God, if you can't get milk bread, use Wonder Bread. Use, use the cheap white loaf of bread because that's where you're going to get the total texture and the what the sense is that they're trying to give you in yeah, this article. in this article. So you can get milk bread in this town. You can buy a couple of different versions at Wajamaya. You can go to the Fuji Bakery right here on uh, Elliott. Is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And beautiful. it's a shame to cut the crust off, but I understand why people do it. It's, it's a look and feel thing. and back home to mom thing and it's too bad I feel bad for those people <laughs> mom didn't make them eat the crust in our house we ate the crust or we didn't get cookies afterwards so just saying crust lead to cookies I, well whatever's on your plate leads to cookies eat it all which is why I'm the size I am today so anyway so good milk bread simple white bread if you don't have it uh, I would take the egg salad and I Honestly, I have one of those. You know those little wire egg slicer things? I actually have one of those. Wait, remember tell the, me more. Remember the little wire egg slicer you guys are in the audience do? you it? have those? Yeah, it's got the shape of an egg kind of like curved into it, and then you pull the wire over, and it slices your egg for you.
0: I'm going to Sir La right this after This is the such show. a Connecticut thing. I can't <laughs> believe that.
1: Uh, anyway, so yeah, so you just chop up your egg salad. To me, Q.P. Uh, mayo is good, but it's sweet. So if you like that little sweetness... That's fine. If not, use Hellman's or here we have Best Foods mayonnaise here. Uh, It really doesn't call for a fancy mayonnaise. This is right. Powdered mustard. Is there a fancy mayonnaise? Oh, sure. Like an olive oil, homemade mayonnaise. Oh, homemade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Powdered mustard, like a Coleman's mustard or Dijon, either one. Uh, We make a beautiful shallot mustard uh, would be perfect in there. It's good in everything. It's good in everything. My oddball thing is tarragon. I love tarragon and eggs together for some reason. And so a minced tarragon, a little bit of... Oh,
0: you're making Terry proud.
1: A little Tarragon's bit of parsley, favorite. yeah. The The key for me is I like a little crunch. So I layer with thin sliced cucumbers. Ah. So you put the cucumbers down. You put your half an egg, right? Because uh, you don't want the whole egg. You have the hard boiled... We have two eggs, right? We have the egg salad and we've got the hard boiled egg that's not totally hard in the center. It's more gelled in the center. Uh, and then you just put a half of that down on the thing, cover it with the egg salad, put your two breads on top. This is not a bad time. To c- if you're going to cut crust, cut it after you build your sandwich. Assemble, yes. Because right. it's easier to, to work with. And then as you're cutting the crust off, you can kind of press it down without flattening it and take the the outside edges off. And then I think the key to this is that you serve it cut side up. Yes. Right? Those, supposed to, like, so that up. you can see that beautiful egg yeah. work that you've done. Uh, when you're serving it to your guests you don't want to hide that no it's a lot of work you got to show it off (laughs) it's it's a lot of work (laughs) and the other thing they also said in this article was that cook extra eggs because when you're peeling them you might break (laughs) some and which is fine for the next egg salad but you want perfect hard-boiled eggs for the center for the showpiece that's why you're the chef i'm the producer (laughs) you nailed it Well, it is what it is. tips. It's it's part of that tip is eating with your eyes, right? It's the spectacular look and feel of that particular. Uh, How would you make egg salad? Getting rid of this whole version that we're talking about right now, what's your favorite way to make egg salad? I'm I'm addicted to celery. In your egg salad?
0: Yeah, finely diced celery and celery seed. Mm -hmm. And a little too much mayonnaise. What about dried dill or something like that? Fresh dill, dill. dill? No, No dill.
1: You surprise me sometimes. You know, she's a hippie vegetarian type who loves pork. And, and last week I found out that she doesn't eat Swiss chard.
2: And today you don't eat dill. It's like,
1: no. yeah, I just don't get it.
0: Uh, and um, black pepper and always on toast.
1: Always on. Oh, well, I like that idea. Always on toast. Now, would you butter your toast? This is controversial, but would you butter your toast?
0: There's no you buttering make, your toast you when you have make that toast much mayonnaise. Butter. <laughs> but you know what I've, I, I learned from a friend that even if you're packing a sandwich to go for lunch, so you're not going to eat it for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. it's still beneficial to toast. It holds up better and gives you some hmm. more texture at lunchtime.
1: Yeah, that's not something I would think. Yeah, because usually when I have like a BLT and it sits for a bit, I don't not like so how good, the toast degrades not unless there's an, <laughs> a, an abundance of mayonnaise on there. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And I paying careful attention to food safety because I don't like cold sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that I prepare it and eat it within the four hour window because cold bread, cold toast is a no go. No star.
1: No, you're not. You're not going to do that. Can't do it. If you had a dream sandwich that you could put in a brown paper bag and eat four hours later, which would it be? Tuna salad, chicken salad, egg salad, turkey and avocado, turkey and avocado sandwich. What about you? Meatloaf. (laughs) My mother always made meatloaf sandwiches in that very stove right over there. She made her meatloaf, and uh, with ketchup. With ketchup, yeah, that's where ketchup belongs. We're going to have this discussion later in the show. (laughs) I feel like you're setting me up for ketchup. Uh, okay, when we come back, my wife Jackie is going to join us. And you're a good pal. You guys were up in the Skagit yesterday, which is where the Bread Lab is up north there. I don't know if you made it to the Bread Lab. We didn't yesterday, but we're going this summer. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about sourdough. Where does it all stand? You know, like Jackie, like many people at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, started a sourdough program. She's part of the reason why we had a, a shortage of flour out there. <laughs> uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about like where you, that stands. She bought every variety. I know, exactly. On Cairo Radio. It's The Hot Stove Society Show, ninety seven three
2: FM. Give me a
0: break! the Give me a bread
3: and butter woman who likes her And
1: we're back in the Hot Stove Society Kitchen Show here at the Hotel Andre in downtown Seattle. I'm Tom Douglas. Pamela Hinckley, producer of the show. And. Jackie Cross. Jackie Cross is coming here. She's the farmer in chief for our company. She's the mom, grandmom of our grandchild Hercules. And she is uh, a. Every woman, pandemic, sourdough starter. Down Actually, the sourdough rabbit hole. Is, I'm sorry, I take that back. It's not a woman thing. You're the every woman of sourdough. Lots of people started sourdough.
4: Yeah, lots of people started sourdough. Male, female. You needed something to do for those two years that you were pacing yeah. around in your house.
1: So. so let's go back to the very beginning of that. And Pam's got a... a, a starter little... also.
4: Yeah, I brought mine too.
1: Yeah, so Pam, tell, ask me about the starter or ask her about the starter that you brought because you were concerned that you killed it.
0: Well, in learning about the bread explosion, mm-hmm. I, I needed to kind of go all the way back and figure out why is everybody, why is everything sourdough now? Right. And is it because we have turned away from commercial yeast and are building these starters on environmental wild yeast that the, from the atmosphere and the flour itself with water? Is mm-hmm. that, what do you think drives it?
4: I mean, I think the handiness of it, of just like if you have a starter, you can always make bread no matter where you are. I think it became one of those things that was portable when you came across the wagon train, you know, um, where you couldn't get commercial yeast and stuff. You could always carry star- sourdough star- starter. You could always make more. You could always give it away. Um, mm. So, so it's it always up, at yeah. the ready.
0: Mm-hmm. That's it. So it's a staple pantry ingredient. Well, um, I I told you that I have a great deal of terror in my heart because someone (laughs) gifted me the canless sourdough. It's a really big The canless sourdough? You didn't
1: say that part.
0: Yeah. This came from Bruce Miyahara, who's Uh a good friend of the company and starting Rice for All. Uh, But he shared with me a piece of his. Jackie hasn't given me any of her sourdough starter yet, so he... (laughs) gave me a container of it but now what to do what to do so tell us what to do
4: um they do take a little maintenance but they're way more forgivable than i thought when i first got mine i've had mine now for almost four years what um yeah from my niece beth who started her own down the rabbit hole baking you know and they say to feed it pretty often and stuff i have gone three weeks maybe even more a couple times. In the it, fridge. In the fridge. Keep it in the fridge. It will form like this really scary looking brown slime kind of yes, over the top of it. Yes, mine already
0: did that. But. It's totally
4: fine. You just stir it in. Oh, yeah. Feed it. it. It actually makes it a little bit more sour as you go on, which is something that I want, is yeah. a little bit more sour flavor. When you have a really young starter and stuff like that, you don't get as much kick out of it. As it ages, you get more and more flavor. Um, so you stir the stir that back in, and then you feed it. And my go-to has always been feeding it equal parts of starter, water, and flour. Um, and you can vary your flours. You know, that's a whole nother topic. Rabbit oh, hope. I know, rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, a whole nother rabbit hole. Well, in Washington now, oh we're so lucky. We're so lucky. How many, so many varieties yeah. of
1: flour did you buy? Yeah.
4: Oh, I've tried so <laughs>
1: many. So well, there's many. eleven in our garage right now. Yeah. <laughs> no.
4: and they all react differently to bread, and uh, so I mean to making bread. So that is that is over my head a little bit. This is a lot to actually keep around and stuff. You're on, you on the radio, I can't see it. So, so it's is, about a,
0: a
1: cup's worth? A it's
4: a, about a cup's uh-huh. worth probably. You don't need that much. You no. you only need um
1: And I, when you feed it, do you get rid of half of that? What do you do?
4: I would get rid of probably half of this. Okay. A half of a cup and go down to half a cup and you can go even down to a quarter cup. Uh-huh. It depends on how often you're going to bake or if you're planning on baking, if you're just doing maintenance, just keep a little bit. That's all you need. And then if you're planning on baking, I would feed it until it gets bubbly again and then maybe keep that and then add that same amount to it again so that you get enough to bake bread with. Your
0: Well, how much bread would you get out of a, a cup of starter? Would you?
4: Oh, you could easily do probably two to four loaves. depending. Oh, on. Yeah. okay. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot. I mean, how do
1: you get it to where it's more sour and more uh, has that texture that you know I'm always looking for, which is that kind of not rubbery is the wrong word, but uh, just a little bit more glutinous, maybe or a little. Is that a flour issue?
4: That's a flour issue. It's balancing the amount of liquid that you have in your recipe versus the flour.
1: So I like a pretty wet loaf.
4: You like it denser and yeah. a little wetter? Well, and that's a, good, heavy, that's the kind of one I make.
1: Heavy um, crust.
4: I like the lighter. I've always been trying to get to that lighter,
1: holier one. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm talking about. But, I think we we're doing the same. Yeah. Maybe I'm just saying it incorrectly.
4: But it's, a you know, your different flowers are going to react differently.
1: So going time. back to when I remember, I don't remember so much before the pandemic, but you were on this daily almost in the pandemic. And now, three years later, you are... Feeding this maybe every couple of weeks, it seems every like to Every couple weeks. Yeah.
4: I really slowed down on the baking just because it's just you and I it's right now. It's too much bread. That's too much bread. Well, our freezer's already full of bread. I was going to say, it freezes so beautifully. <laughs> it fr- freezes beautifully, which yeah. is great. We just slice it, put it in the freezer. You make toast out of it in a second, croutons right. out of it, whatever. You do that. So, run nothing it out
1: against of. your bread, but, but there is a lot of good bread there's in the a lot of great out bread there, Pamela. And you've done a little bit of research and you have. I know you love Seawolf over there in oh, Wallingford. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah.
0: Incredible Seawolf fan. Uh, today I have a, a wonderful product from the world-famous Dahlia Bakery. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my favorite bread, by uh, the way. Uh, Seeded sourdough. But I also, their Coils Bake Shop usually has a couple of loaves left over, and theirs is wonderful. And there's a new shop on Queen Anne called Bake Shop, and they came from London Plain.
4: Oh, And
0: they're doing a beautiful sourdough. I have been up there. Thanks. Um, and a lot of our bakers, like Dahlia Bakery has spawned wonderful bakers. Sure. That every, started, every bakery does, yeah. Uh, yeah, every bakery. So they're doing such good work at Columbia City That's Bakery. Yeah. And we're really looking forward to uh, Ben's Bread, uh, Ben Campbell, who came out of Renee's group, and uh he's and just our, our beautiful niece works with him and oh scott yeah and she's so a there's some fabulous there
1: scott yeah mm-hmm. so she is just uh you know she started out as a cashier at Sirius pie in Westlake and has just taken on this yeah she got hooked on baking it there uh and it's just she's become an incredible baker
4: she's teaching some sourdough classes now
1: i was thinking i hadn't tasted this i was looking at this thinking it was the pecan flaxseed that's my favorite and we're having it right now for spring. We're having the pecan flax seed. I had it for toast this morning with the uh, sea salt butter that, or peanut butter that I love. Yeah, you love uh, from CB Nuts. CB Nuts. Yeah.
0: Before I forget, Ben's bread, he doesn't have uh, brick and mortar yet, but is soon to open up on Finney Ridge. But he does do some pop-ups where you can get this beautiful bread that you've got to order ahead of time. Um, so put that follow in follow him phone. on
4: Instagram and you can, he'll, he t- talks about his pop-ups.
1: So the big thing about bread for me is, uh, especially all these loaves that are now oftentimes eight between eight and ten dollars a loaf because it's just expensive. It's just it's expensive. time consuming
4: yeah. and it's labor consuming. Yeah,
1: uh, is that I like to get them. I let them cure. I don't ever cut them warm. I like to let let them cure and then I slice them if I'm not going to eat them right away. I slice them and put them in a, a Ziploc in the freezer and make beautiful toast, croutons, tartines. You name it, you can do anything with this bread, but you do lock in the freshness if you get it in the freezer pretty quickly after it's out of the Mm -hmm. oven.
0: It is one product that does so well in the freezer. Yeah, it really does. I want to do one more quick shout-out to Grand Central, because a lot of times we forget about them. But because they're the, huge, right? And Macrinus, yeah. Yeah, but um, their head baker now uh, is so serious about bread and has this new peasant Lavon in the grocery stores that is wonderful and crunchy and so good. Yeah, so yeah. don't forget yeah, macrina, macrina and Grand essential. Center. There's yeah. so much oh, good bread. Oh, essential! You
1: know, so much good bread in our marketplace. Our number two is coming up. Clamming it up. Shoulder Seasoned dishes. Questions from our audience. Ordinary to extraordinary. Ketchup. Yeah, ketchup, on French please. French
0: fries. I insist. And
1: of course, we're going to finish with our rub with love, tasty trivia on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, ninety-seven three FM. Go ahead. Try a piece of the sourdough bread. You're going to like it very much. It does not taste the same as all the regular
0: breads. Hey, little boy, what you got?
1: All right, it's hour number two of the Hot Stove Society show on Cairo Radio. I have, to, I have to beg people to clap because they're so sated from our breakfast. Do we have more coffee for them? Let's perk these guys up a little bit. Oh,
0: No, they're doing good. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: today we're going to celebrate the uh, possibilities of clams. Uh, uh, Taylor Shellfish has creative and varied recipes. Is that on their website? Yes. yes. It's,
0: well, what a wonderful resource for recipe ideas. I didn't know that
1: didn't know we're going to talk about uh, tasty trivia which you say is bread related because we have a bread we had a bread segment and uh, you know i'm bringing Jackie up to help me so i'm not sure what you're going to do
0: <laughs> i'm asking the questions oh, you're so asking that i the questions. don't fail
1: okay we talked about the shoulder season but we also want to talk about uh, the winners our, uh, of our staycation contest and yep. do that in this hour if you weren't aware of our staycation contest pamela what did you what did we put out there I was curious to see how
0: people listened to Uh the show, so I wanted to know if it was YouTube radio broadcast, and we got wonderful answers, and the winner got to come and stay in Hotel Andra last night.
1: Nice, and did they get a meal? Did we pop for a meal, I think we're going to hear
0: about it. And are we going to do these contests often? I don't know. You sprung the last one on me, so... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably right. we're gonna do one for father Well, actually, mother's day is coming up next we're gonna do one for mother's day a thanks for the warning contest for mother's day okay great so we'll i did couple like of it. times a year
0: i did like it because it gave me really personal contact uh-huh. with our listeners and we want
1: to know what they want to hear okay so we're gonna talk about that and then ketchup is it for french fries or not if you have an opinion you better listen up because i'm gonna
0: I'm going to share mine. It's not just french fries, though. It's taking ketchup. No, I agree. But I was talking about where
1: you most often see it on your meatloaf sandwich. It belongs on meatloaf, yes. Um, We might agree uh, on that. We're going to wrap up the show with food for tasty trivia. Okay, let's celebrate the possibility of clams. Why clams? Why now?
0: Because I had wonderful success last week with. Uh, making a batch of steamed clams because the day I went to buy them at Fresh Fish, uh, they had just finished a batch of stock that they used halibut trim for. So you've always got to kind of check the freezer to see uh, what specialties they have in there. But... um, In the past, when I've just made clams with a water broth, Mm -hmm. even with a heavy addition of butter and seasonings on Mm -hmm. the end, it doesn't take on that texture and full flavor that it does if you've got a spectacular stock. Mm -hmm. It it changed the dish completely. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we also love that Anetto brand of fish stock. Uh, I A
1: N E N E T T O or A-N-E-T-T-O? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's twice the
1: price and it's twice as good.
0: And tw- twice as good.
1: Yeah. The real question I have, as soon as you said it, going back to it, is, what's the water thing? Instead of water, what do you mean water? When you're steaming you clams, wa- you don't put water in your clams. How do you do it? Clams are full of seawater. You don't so need water. You just water. put them in the pot. Yeah. Oh, and the with, audience agrees. With butter. Yeah. They like. I've of been their diluting
0: juice. my clams. Yes. Oh. <laughs>
1: No wonder <laughs> things are all coming clear now. It is its own fish stock.
0: I always start with like three cups of water. Oh Did my god!
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, we should have had this conversation forty years ago. Yes, we should have. Yes, we should have. Uh, so, yeah, for a regular steam clam, if you're going to add any liquid at all, it's going to be a wine or something like that. But it's still not very much because you dilute. The clam nectar, right? That's what it's oh, all about. No. Same with mussels, right? You, you, don't, you don't want to dilute that nectar that they're going to give off as you cook them. So for one pound of clams, I would go a quarter pound of butter because if you... Oh, boy. You don't, you don't use enough butter, butter I either, know, you, I know, I yeah. know. And a uh, couple of cloves of chopped garlic, uh, whatever fresh herb that suits your fancy. Thyme is a more classic. Uh, cherry would always put shallot and thyme in there. Uh, and then... You simply put a lid on and steam them in their own nectar, and you have this nice little broth to finish, right? Which is, and the reason it's a quarter pound of butter is that if you've got four people... Quarter
0: pound for one pound, wow.
1: If you've got four people sitting around, the best part is taking that bread that you've toasted and just dunking it into the clam nectar and butter. I
0: know, that's why we eat clams.
1: Exactly. For the bread. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not a whole, compared to the weight of the meat to, to the shell, there's not a whole lot of... Um, meat coming out there yeah. on a percentage basis so well we you said the water one... <laughs> thing and it just i don't know if you saw my face but i was like what
0: we've solved one problem okay uh, it's making good clam steamed yeah. clams but what uh caught my attention was what else can you do with them right now you do a clam pizza right
1: we do that's jackie's favorite pizza at uh, serious pie and that is uh, clams that are steamed off on water
0: no water
1: (laughs) and then we shuck them we pick all the meat out right and uh we then as we make our pizza make the crust brush it with olive oil chopped garlic red chili flakes put our clams on and bake the pizza it's a five minute bake the clams are already cooked if you want your clams more succulent you cook the pizza halfway pull it out then put your clams on top they'll be more moist so, that, yeah, put, put it back in. When it comes out, I do the cheese. I do a little fresh grated Reggiano on top, uh, not into the oven. Reggiano will just kind of cook up and crispen up and get gross. So you want to sh- sh- uh, grate it onto the pizza after it comes out of the oven. And what melt it has, the hot pizza will melt to where you want it to be. So. Nice. So that's one way to do clams. The other way I love, over at uh, Palace Kitchen, which is, by the way, reopening on April 21st. How about that? After three plus years, hallelujah! Uh, I just take a saute pan that's fire worthy, put in my pound of clams, put in my quarter pound of butter, some olive oil, some garlic, chopped chanterelles, chunks of bacon, whatever it is you want, and a squeeze of uh, half lemon with the lemon peel in it. Like just throw the whole half lemon, squeeze it, and then drop it into your clams because the, there's so much nice oils, lemon oils, in the, in the zest of the lemon that you just want to make sure you capture some of that. And I set the whole fire into the coals of the fire pit over there until they pop. They're ready to go and just serve it in a bowl and all those little things. You could put some chopped tomato. All that kind of goes into what becomes the broth at the bottom.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And, you know, the mushroom
1: Mm -hmm. juice, the bacon juice, the tomato juice, whatever it is. Oh,
0: I forgot how fantastic bacon is with clams. You forgot? All right. Well, uh, look at the Taylor Shellfish website because they have some crazy ideas for clams like a red curry. They've got a risotto. Um, There's a lot of possibilities.
1: So miso carbonara makes total sense, right, with clams because the miso helps thicken up the sauce like the egg yolk would. They're probably using egg yolks also. Uh, for the carbonara, and then you said risotto, but they do—they ch- their recipe is for chestnut risotto with clams. You just, you, I understand, but you just don't see that very much. No chestnuts anywhere in our in our world. So you can walk the base of Queen Anne and pick them off the ground yourself <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> on your way to Taylor. On your way to Taylor, shellfish on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society. We're going to come back and talk about um, our listener, our listener, and our little question that you had asked about how do people take in our show and. What would make it better? What would make it worse? I know making it better would get Chef Terry back here. I'm sorry he's not here today. (laughs) I know. People love to listen to him. They always think I pick on him, but I don't. He gives it right back to me. He just doesn't do it on air. That's true. He's much more kind. He's kind. (laughs) On camera radio, stay with us on on the Hot Stove Society show, 97.3 FM. Here we go. Time for uh, back. a little chat on how it is that you watch our show. Uh, you know, Chef Terry is out at the doctor today, so he's not going to join us. But he'll be back next week. Pamela Hinckley is sitting in. I'm Tom Douglas. And, Pam, you had this idea to try and figure out how we can appeal to our listeners in, in order to do that, finding out how they take in our show. Yes. And so we've been on doing our show now for almost 23 years and we haven't Isn't asked this question very amazing. often. Amazing! Yeah. We haven't asked it. I don't know that we've ever asked it. So uh, what did you actually send out to our listeners? And uh, we're going to send this out again maybe two weeks before Mother's Day. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Now that you've told me to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what we wanted to know was how people listen to the show because uh-huh. we put some effort into the live event here at Hot Stove. We added the broadcast on YouTube, which we're kind of stunned that some people actually do watch <laughs> and download. But uh, And, of course, the broadcast on Cairo is what fuels the whole thing on Saturday and Sunday. But our numbers are a little bit higher with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out where to put our attention and okay. w- what elements we need to be more skilled at. So I want to hear from some real live listeners.
1: You, we offered a staycation, which yes. was a meal, I want to say, at one of our restaurants. Yes. And also an overnight stay here at the Hotel Andra, yes. which is beautiful. And um, we have our winners sitting in front of us. Joining us the at the show today. for breakfast. All right. So t- tell us who they are.
0: Uh, Chris and Tammy Nielsen. And they had a wonderful entry that just touched our hearts. And uh, I'm so excited to meet them and have them with us. And I think they came in last night. We did. So Dude. how's the hotel? <laughs>
2: Oh, it was great. And we had a wonderful dinner last night at Lola. Good. Yeah.
3: Shout out to Melinda, our uh, who is the wait staff. Just, you know, we haven't been out a lot because of the pandemic and our son is ill, so we're limiting our exposure. Mm-hmm. And it was really a really nice way to just sort of re-enter, going to restaurants and um, have great service like we've always had with your restaurants. What'd you eat? We ate a lot. Oh, good. <laughs> but we did. We ate it all. So yeah.
2: The, the Branzino special right now? Very, oh,
3: no. very, very, very Salmon skewers. Of course, we had tzatziki and uh, carrots. It was excellent. It was all really good.
1: Well, I think the real question then is how do you take in our show and what do you like <laughs> and dislike about it?
3: So I take in your show when I run. I've been doing this for about ten years, and it usually Somebody
1: chasing you for you to run. Or <laughs> why do you do that?
3: I know I always used to think people are crazy for running, but now I've gotten into it the last decade, maybe, and uh, it's been great. So I listen to your show, and. It usually works out well. Sometimes you're cooking something and I'm not feeling good while I'm running and it starts to get a little questionable, (laughs) but, um, no, it's been, it's been great. And also gives some real continuity as we, when we've been traveling or, um, very recently in Baltimore for a month for treatment for our son Mm -hmm. and having that tie back to home and that familiarity when you're running in a new place, um, is is really great. I never
1: really thought about it from that perspective. How you could be in Seattle, kind of in your head, but still be in Baltimore.
3: So that's been really fun for us. And um, I love being able to keep up on what's happening here. We've moved from Seattle to Olympia, and we love coming up, Um, especially now we can get out a little bit more. So hearing all about new restaurants and recipes. And our son also was on the show. He and I came maybe 10 years ago and he, he must have been so little he was and he did a macaroni and cheese tasting <laughs> and uh with you all so that was really fun too
2: Chris how about you do you take it in the same way actually no I I, you I don't listen, I don't you listen, don't, listen, you don't listen to you a while it while I run Thanks for your support um, Chris yeah <laughs> no I, I I do listen to it though so um, it tends to be actually when we're when we're driving um but for me I mean we met in seattle we started dating in seattle got married in seattle but then have since moved to olympia so it's it's kind of a a nice way for to kind of keep that kind of a, a toehold in right. in seattle and kind of know what's going on food has always played a big part in uh our relationship and and in our family so just kind of knowing the the places that we want to hit when we come up here to to Seattle and. Um, kind of the, the new places kind of still have a, a, a toe in Seattle, even though we live 60 miles south
1: now. I'm going to turn that around on you a little bit, which is, you know, we have listeners all up and down the sound across the country. Uh, so somebody's down at our fabulous state capital. Where sh- are you going to send them? Uh, Chelsea, uh, Far- you're, you're Chelsea Farms. Chelsea, Chelsea Farms is for phenomenal. Sure. And Excellent. is it a regular kind of walk-in restaurant or is it a farm stand with
2: a cafe or? It's a regular walk-in restaurant, uh, great seafood, uh, great shellfish, um, great, uh, great spot there in Olympia. Yeah. Um, and then also um, kind of right next door to that, um, Bread Peddler, which is a great bakery, um, you know, great place to come in, um, sit and uh, have a cup of coffee and a pastry.
3: Well, Terry would like him. He's some the owner is from France. Okay, and so it's it's a quite authentic uh, French bakery, and we have Left Bank, which has gotten a lot of acclaim actually too. Beautiful. Beautiful Parisian bakery in town too. So yeah, you'll have and what fun. About when you
1: come. The, the, what about the classic, the, the the spar or the spur? Oh, it's there. It, did it make it through the pandemic?
3: Yeah, it, I, I believe so. Wow. We're we're not we don't frequent it, but I see it a lot. What
1: are you thinking? I know, I know. It's like the doghouse. It's perfect. <laughs> it didn't make it either. But
3: you. you, you- <laughs> You can visit. You okay. can visit it.
0: All right. Well, and the uh, Olympia Farmer's Market has yes. got quite a following, It's right?
3: excellent. Yeah. It's excellent. <laughs> excellent. Has, oh.
0: Have you been recently? Has much started to show up yet?
3: Just opened again. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, well, it's been open, but it opens for four days a week instead of just a couple days starting on April oh. 1st. But it's it's wonderful. I mean, it's, and I don't think you went a couple weeks ago and there wasn't a lot there yet in terms of fresh produce. Yeah. Not a lot. It's Fine. coming. It's That's coming. why we
1: talk about shoulder season, like, enjoy yeah. the last of the winter stuff you've been eating for six months. Yes. Uh, and then really focus on the spring stuff when it comes in, asparagus and peas. And Pam, what else did you find out uh, from...
0: Well, I want to go back to Tammy for one second because in in their entry, she said sometimes uh, our discussions uh, make her stomach churn uh, when she's running. <laughs> when you're running. Some, yeah. of, some of the uh, descriptions sound rich or...
3: Yeah. Well, I remember Thierry one time talking about quiche and I don't it's know. It. It's just, you know, really rich dishes Chis. when you're... Maybe not feeling as good, um, yeah. yeah, it could be a little intense so
1: what was it wh- so, so, what other the things did you find out about how people take our show into their lives?
0: that um, they are fully fluid between the radio broadcast and the podcast. Okay. If people are home and making dinner, they love the radio companionship, right. but that timing doesn 't always work, I think, which is why the podcast is growing so much.
1: Right. And the podcast you can pick up, even if you don't watch it live like we are right now, you can pick it up any time right when you go to Cairo.
0: Yeah. And um, we're always looking uh, for ideas. This week I'm following up uh, from a listener request to talk to a mushroom grower. Mm -hmm that they were taken with and had a tour of. So keep the input coming. I love hearing from you for ideas to plan the show. All
1: right. Well, so for our next one for Mother's Day, I'm going to throw out what the topic is going to be. Oh. <laughs> well, you have to have some sort of theme. Yes. It's not necessarily the same theme, but you know, I, I'm, I'm enamored with my mother's stove that's sitting here at the hot stove I now. know, so rightly so. I want a picture of the stove that you grew up with. Oh, man. And if you don't have one, it means it wasn't that cool a stove. <laughs> uh, what uh, about an illustration? Illustration's fine. All right. And then... Uh, Some uh, of us have my, moved my away. My mom has a, had a Wedgewood six burner, two oven, two broiler, uh, you know, stove, chrome and white porcelain. It's a Cadillac, I will say. It certainly uh, is. And uh, so I want to see people's stoves. It could be the one that you own now. It could be the one your mom had. But why do you love your stove? Oh, and where do they go for that? Pam at?
0: pamela h at TomDouglas.com.
1: Awesome. There you go. And then your picture. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk ketchup for a minute on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. It's 97.3 FM on your dot. We're having broccoli. We're having broccoli.
0: Big size. Up with ketchup. Ketchup loves ketchup
1: loves here we go! It's time! It's time for ketchup here in the Hot Stove Society kitchen. I'm Tom Douglas. <laughs> Wait, we really have to cajole our audience to clap for us today. Chef Terry, he has I no... should
0: have brought some ten-dollar bills. That he I has could no slip problems. On. Yeah, or well, he, he can ring the bell. You know? He sings. These that's things, why. Yeah. Yes.
1: And you have a nice voice, too, so maybe. But I don't sing, so that uh, takes care of that, doesn't it? We're going to talk ketchup for a minute, and I uh, laid out earlier my disgust, angst. Strong words, Tom. Yeah, for the, the whole, um, what ketchup has been relegated to. I mean, you, you would like me to kind of share how I gussy up ketchup a bit, but I am a bit disturbed which where it's been relegated to, which is really just a dipping sauce for french fries and i don't get it
0: okay well maybe if we do the first part ordinary to extraordinary on the ketchup part it'll help us understand why ketchup needs a bigger place in our life
1: I, i think you're right now i think you're patronizing me and uh i think that we have to go the opposite direction which is how do people use their ketchup Okay. So then I know how to doll, doll it up for something better.
0: All right. So we know French fries are in the lead. We know. Let's just stop there. <laughs> you <laughs> are a big fan, and this is perfect on a meatloaf sandwich, but mm-hmm. of course it has to be on pumpernickel bread. No,
1: no, no. Pumpernickel bread? What yes. planet are you from? <laughs> Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> that explains it. Uh, so, yeah. So, no, it's, it's on white bread, uh, meatloaf, ketchup, butter. And uh, cucumber. <laughs> uh, bread and butter pickles. That would be what Everything my mother Everything is made. wrong with that picture. Yeah. Anyway, so there's, that's about the only way I like ketchup. Maybe on fried bologna. <laughs> but, <laughs> don't you think? Fried bologna? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mustard, yeah. Mustard, that thank too. you. Uh, I do like ketchup on a hot dog. Yes. With mustard and pickle relish. Mm-hmm. We're getting back to that theme of cucumber pickles, you know, uh, the bread and butter pickles. The ketchup, They they kind of work together. Mustard. But really, this french fry craze with ketchup, I i don't quite understand. Never did understand. It's magical. If I'm going to have something like that with french fries, I want barbecue sauce. I want a little, which is basically ketchup with smoke, liquid <laughs> <Right>. smoke. <laughs>
0: um, let's start over. Did you ever make ketchup for any of your restaurants?
1: Uh, we do now, but we cheat. Okay, tell us we about that. We use a ketchup base down at Seatown, but we smoke... Like uh, for a, a case of uh, six number 10 cans of ketchup, we smoke about 15 pounds of sliced onions in the smoker. Oh, And we puree wow. the, puree the yes. two together. And so yes. we make smoked onion ketchup. But we cheat by using the store-bought ketchup as a base. And that's kind of how you go ordinary to extraordinary with anything, right? Is You often take a, a similar base and then just add a different layer to it. Whether you're making ranch dressing, which uh, is not ketchup, I understand, but... A lot of people make a spicy ranch or a red ranch by adding ketchup to ranch dressing. So, you could do the same by adding tomato paste to it. In my mind, if you're going to use ketchup for anything as a base, you're better off getting rid of the ketchup (laughs) and starting with the Heinz like the uh, chili sauce. Oh, they make a chili sauce. It's it's like basically ketchup with like a little pickle relish in it or something. I'm not sure exactly the ingredients, but pickle relish and a little peppers, you know, sweet peppers, and that's a chili sauce base and. Then you can go other places with it. You can add Tabasco to that and make spicy ketchup. You can add that to your ranch and make spicy ranch uh, with your, you make Thousand Island dressing with that uh, chili sauce and uh, a regular kind of um, mayonnaise ranch type dressing is add tomato and you've got a Thousand Island a chopped egg, right? So.
0: Well, the recipe that caught my attention was from Michael Solomonoff from Philly. This guy, I have. Zahav restaurant. Zahav. And what is he? It's a,
1: it's a Jewish, classic Jewish restaurant. What is he using ketchup for?
0: On, <laughs> uh, vegetable dips. And ah. um, he's using it at Laser Wolf. But he augments a regular commercial base ketchup with tahini, mango pickle, and harissa. Uh huh. And uh, I was wow. Uh, that's
1: uh, world cuisine right there, isn't it? It's Definition. Got, yeah. Uh huh.
0: And so it it comes up with the tang from the mango pickle,
1: just spicy and yeah, yep. mm-hmm. and a
0: little more breadth from the tahini, mm. and then some spice and heat from the harissa.
1: Uh huh. So that
0: sounded like a great.
1: Sounds like pack. sounds like a mess.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to. But tell he him starts this. with ketchup.
1: He starts with ketchup. Huh. Interesting. So So that is, I mean, when you talk about taking ordinary to extraordinary, I'd be curious if that's extraordinary once you tried all of that. But I'll make you a batch. I think that's a good idea. But I think going back and getting rid of the ketchup and just going with tahini might be a more interesting place to be because then you lose the sugar. Ketchup is about 50% sugar. No High sugar. Yeah. And so uh, to me, then you have this uh, more interesting, less, what's the word I want to use? kindergarten like i mean i think of <laughs> I, I think of ketchup as being a little bit like a youngster's food even though i see grown men putting it on their french fries at every golf place i've ever been
0: whatever it is the sugar don't yeah, you think it's
1: just definitely the sugar. so would you, now, when you ask terry about ketchup it makes him want to vomit he would yeah. say no yeah he, hates he would just ketchup. put the
0: harissa on
1: yeah straight up harissa
0: well what about um beetloaf with just tomato then a real
1: tomato a sliced tomato yeah sure why not the ketchup on the meatloaf goes back to kind of a food memory as a kid. Again, going back to the youngster that loves that sweet tomato. So, yeah, just the sliced tomatoes is probably better. What about clam strips? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you're talking for all that kind of thing. You're like shrimp cocktail. You're talking about cocktail sauce now, which is basically ketchup with horseradish.
0: The most popular hack on ketchup. Cocktail probably, sauce.
1: Probably so. Cocktail sauce, yeah. And I'm actually, um, I, I, I will eat that cocktail sauce i love it but i love a big wild shrimp and just drenched yeah just i I do i like a lot so that if you take that and if you marry that with a little bit of mayonnaise or a bit of mustard you end up with uh, a delicious combination for your ketchup that one that you made with michael Solomonoff, hmm, no thanks Uh, That remains to be seen. I'm going to let you judge it after you taste it. Uh, Other ketchup, if you look in the marketplace right now, they're doctored up every which way. Like every food company has their own version of ketchup. Brand extensions. So black pepper ketchup. That's a good idea. A little bit like what I did with my teriyaki sauces. I made a spicy teriyaki and a triple garlic teriyaki and a regular ginger pineapple teriyaki. But they all start with that ginger pineapple base and then... I just went off in a couple of different directions with each of the others. I didn't know that. Our, our teriyaki sauce is selling really well right now. It's, it's uh, interesting how it's kind of started to get a foothold in the marketplace.
0: Also thanks to our pandemic time. Maybe so.
1: Maybe yeah. that's uh, – uh, uh, there's a brand of teriyaki out there called soy that kicks our butt, though. It's, everyone loves that uh, soy teriyaki sauce. It's delicious. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, other things to do with ketchup – I, you can do anything you want. I just I just don't ever... I've never gotten the whole French fry thing. Am I crazy in the audience? What do you guys think? I'm crazy. You like ketchup on your French fries. If you're in your car right now, what do you think? Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always think about... You know, we talked earlier about how people take our show, and I think uh, about people with their little AirPods in, in the garden or... Uh, in the kitchen. Uh, we do have a lot of gardeners. That listen. Do we? Yeah. At that, to me, that's kind of a fun thing to add food to your gardening uh, process. There are so many fun things about gardening that I have not figured out <laughs> that my wife just loves. So
0: Jackie I... says you've been um, a big help recently, and she was very pleased with the electric pruners that you bought her that I had no idea existed.
1: Oh, yeah. You don't think they take all those grapevines down? squeezing pruners do you i did <laughs> <laughs> well she's got terrible tendinitis in her elbows and her forearms from so much gardening and that i saw these pruners on sale and it said you have tendonitis?" question mark and then it had a picture of these pruners and so i bought them i must have and it worked she she, she loved said them. it was spectacular yeah. it
0: got her through twice as much work mm-hmm. because it of the assist from the power. It's just
1: a loving husband thing to do, yes, I guess. Yes, <laughs> it
0: is. Yes, it is.
1: Uh, we find out today, I don't know if you know this or not, but we find out today, um, I think we find out today what the sexes are of the twins in the oven. Yes. Rory With your, your beautiful Hercules daughter. Hercules is going to have siblings and uh, they're twins and we find out if it's going to be sort of desperate for a girl.
0: Yeah, but Loretta and Ben are spectacular parents and they are going to do a great job no matter what they get. Yeah.
1: I don't know what I would do with a baby girl so far. <laughs> she can golf. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like so far I've had great fun with uh, Hercules and not even knowing what I would do with him when he, before he came out. I know. You surprised us all. Yeah, exactly. He's a great grandpa. When we come back, it's time to wrap up with Rub With Love Tasty Trivia brought to you by Rub With Love Spice Rubs and Sauces. On Cairo, it's the Hot Stove Society show, 97.3 FM. Now you might like tomatoes, and that's okay
2: with me. But please don't put one on my plate or spy one on my meat Spaghetti sauce, tomato soup, I love with all my heart. But I don't like tomatoes, they always make me far too unhappy. Maybe you thought there'd be a happy ending to the song.
1: time for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia right here at the Hot Stove Kitchens. I'm Tom Douglas. Annie Elmore. Annie, the chef here at the Hot Stove. Pamela Hinckley, producer. Way to go. We have some guests here at the mic. Who are we talking to? Charles. And Anna. Charles and Anna, who also entered our... Staycation contest. How do you contest. listen to our show staycation contest? <laughs> Tasty Trivia is brought to you by Rub With Love, our line of flavorful, intentional intentional that was my new adjective really dry spice rubs a fabulous mustard uh, with toasted shallots and four deeply satisfying sauces when you have them in your pantry you have the tools to elevate every meal yes Pam where can people buy these rub with love products
0: you can find rub with love all around the states in fine retailers like Jansen's Market in Wilmington Delaware the Spiceman's Kitchen in Tarpon Springs Florida Cardiff Seaside Market north of San Diego or here in the Pacific Northwest at retailers like Metropolitan Market, West Seattle Thriftway, Ken's Markets, which are such cute stores, and here at the fabulous Hot Stove Society.
1: And, and I bet you didn't know this, but when I would visit my mother in Newark, Delaware, and I forgot to bring my rubs, I would go up to Janssen's in Wilmington and buy them I all I bet there.
0: that's why Carol put it in. Did Maybe you so. pay full retail for
1: it? I, I always Sheesh. do. I always do. I try not to steal them. Okay, good. Okay, how do people play the game, and uh, what are we going to win? Well, I've got a theme
0: today. Bread. All the questions are related to bread. Uh, So each of our contestant groups is getting five questions, and someone's going to get the most right.
1: And these lovely folks get to go shopping in our gift shop afterwards for three free rubs. Amazing. Or if you want a mustard or a sauce, you can have that instead.
0: I'm going to start with Chef Annie Elmore today. All right. All right. Wink at me,
2: okay, Pam? So
0: that that Anna and Charles will get in the groove. All right. True or false? A rolled-up piece of white bread was used to erase graphite before rubber erasers were invented. True. True. Correct.
1: Who could make that up?
0: (laughs) After the invention of the machine to slice bread... How many years did it take to dominate to uh, 80% majority the percentage of bread sold in the U.S.? Did it take one year, five years, or seven years for sliced bread to take over?
1: Five. Five! Five. (laughs) So unfair.
0: True or false. In medieval times, bread was used as an absorbent plate. It was called a trencher. And after the meal... The trencher could then be eaten, given to the poor, or fed to dogs. True. It is true.
1: My dad always right. put a trencher under his steak. So he You've heard that yeah. uh, word before. He would collect all the juices, and then he would eat his, his uh, trencher.
0: And the, Sounds the, a little <laughs> gross. <laughs> there is a theory that pizza comes from the trencher. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many items are in a baker's dozen?
2: Oh god. Uh, 13. Yay. You, are you
1: really need a god it. for that answer? <laughs>
2: <laughs> he helped me this time.
0: Uh true or false? White bread was a preferred bread of the rich before it was found that it has less nutritional value than dark. True. True. Five for
1: 5 Woohoo! you go, down. Look at Tom looking at
2: me, unsatisfied.
1: Unsatisfied, for
0: sure. <laughs> Anna and Charles, thank you for doing this. Uh, true or false, pre-sliced bread was banned in the United States for a short time in 1943 as a wartime conservation effort. True. Correct. Is uh, there reasoning behind that? Uh, I did not have the...
1: Time to go into the whole bread. I don't quite understand it. Okay, I'll... I'll, I'll... Oh, maybe the slicers, maybe the metal slicers.
0: Number two. The sandwich is named after John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich, who started a fashion of eating beef between two pieces of bread. When was John starting this? Was it 1780, 1890, or 1953? Back in the day of the Montagues and the fourth Earl of Sandwich. 1780? Of course. Correct. <laughs> uh, number three. Uh, <laughs> bread is usually, is usually baked, but in some cuisines it is made with different cooking methods. Can you name one other way to create bread?
1: Boiled? Yes. Good one. Steamed, fried, or Boiled. What kind of bread was put in Billy Joel's tip jar in Piano Man? Uh, rye. <laughs> what? Tell us. Dollar bills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, number four is multiple choice. What is the average number of pounds Americans eat of bread each year? Uh, 27, 53, or 112?
1: 112.
0: 53 was my source. Wow. And true or false, old wive tales tell that eating the bread crust makes a person's hair curlier. True. Yeah! <laughs> Four out Four of five. Four out of five. Nice Three job. Yeah. Tom Douglas? True or false?
1: I think that's me. <laughs> true. Bread. I say true.
0: Bread symbolizes peace in most cultures of the world. Yeah. It is in fact. Who wouldn't true? want
1: to make a loaf of bread for your neighbor?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, how much do wheat farmers receive on
1: average from each loaf of bread sold? Well, it depends on what it's sold for. <laughs> uh, so I will say on average uh, for uh, the, ten cents.
0: Half that. Five cents. Five cents. Yeah. Wow. No, being at the beginning of the supply chain is not the best deal well, for price farmers. prices right?
1: Rules though, so you couldn't go under. So I still Wait, what? want... What? I still won, just say that. <laughs>
0: um, number three, what country has the largest consumption of bread per capita worldwide? France. It's Germany. Germany. Germany followed by Chile.
1: You know, I love some of the German kind of boiled breads that are th- like the barley breads that are so thick and. Elast. Those are the boiled ones? Well, they're baked in a, you know enclosed pan or something, whatever.
0: True or false? In the United States, bread sales have gone down 11% in the past five years. True. It is absolutely true.
1: Which is a good thing. It means people are making more bread at home. And, you know, the whole carb thing, people are nuts about
0: Yeah. So we're eating other carbs. And finally... Which came first, the automatic pop-up bread toaster or the bread slicing machine?
1: Bread slicing machine.
0: It was the toaster. Aww. Aww. How, could that be? How could you not know that?
1: All right, that not means bad. Three that Ann and Charles get are the winners because Annie doesn't really count. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yay! See, you could be
2: mean, too.
1: Yeah, see? Uh, Congratulations on Annie getting five out of five uh, today. She's awesome. Uh, If you want to be part of the show, you can uh, join the community on YouTube live at Tom Douglas and company. Also remember, if you miss any episode of our hot stove society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley, who was also our host today in Terry's absence, Sean McFadden, is our technical director, and our editor is Sean, don't call me, Del Torre. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. If you you ain't straight. You better wake up or
3: I'll gas you gave. Babe. Been in this pot since half past two. Babe. Swelling and puffing and almost dew.
2: I'll
3: be ready.